Welcome to the Ramble Room, a very special Veterans Day edition of the Ramble Room. For some time I've been wanting to bring this to you. One of the first people that I ever met in life, literally he was at the hospital when I was born, was a gentleman by the name of Robert G. Walkinshaw. He, friends knew him as Bob, and, and later in life he was known as Old Bob. Now, he was a distant cousin of my dad's through marriage. In my entire life, Bob was there. He was a constant friend for about 60 years. He was a mentor. He was an excellent storyteller, and I have many, many fond memories. When uh, I was very young, we used to go out a lot with him. He had a ranch up out of Casper, and we'd go out there, and it felt like every time we ever went anywhere with old Bob, we got stuck. He said something one time about the, the, the funny thing about getting stuck is that every time you see a situation, it looks just enough different that you don't really recognize it until it's too late. Whatever. I can remember walking out of many places. Bob's son, Willie, talks about being somewhere way up in the Shirley Rims when they got stuck Fortunately, I was too young to be on that trip, and they walked some 35 miles to get out of there. <laughs> Being with Bob was always an adventure. Now, during World War II, Bob was a member of the 14th Air Force, and this is essentially his retelling the, the history of those experiences. Some of you, if you're old enough, will remember a television show called Baba Black Sheep. And that show featured a character whose name was Pappy Boyington. Pappy Boyington was actually somebody that had washed out of the 14th Air Force, hence the Black Sheep Squadron that he led. The 14th Air Force is most commonly known as the Flying Tigers. And during World War II, they flew the hump, flying supplies in and out of China and moving Chinese troops around the theater there trying to fight off the Japanese aggression in that area. In later years, Bob went to work for Casper College, and he was uh, in charge of the physical, he, he called it the physical plant, but anything that had to do with any of the buildings or the grounds around Casper College, Bob was in charge of. He shared an office with Bill Bragg, and some of you may have read or even been taught by Bill Bragg. He was a historian and an author specialized in the Wyoming history. And I used to go up there as a young man uh, in my late teens and early 20s and sit in their office and just listen to the two of them tell stories. It was, it was amazing fun, and it was a, a wonderful opportunity to get to learn so much about this wonderful state that I love. Later on, Bob moved over to the Sundance area, lived well into his 90s. This was recorded not too long before his death, a couple of years back. Bob, late in his 90s, was still taking care of bulls during the winter for various ranchers around the area. He was a man of great vigor, of great character, someone that I will always admire. And I look forward to you being able to hear some of the stories that he has to share. This part one that I'm going to share with you is the history of the Flying Tigers, the 14th Air Force. And then we'll go into some, he does some 
personal stories about what he experienced and other things, and we'll look forward to hearing the rest of that. For now, though, I ask you to enjoy The History of the Flying Tigers by Robert G. Walkinshaw. Well, when you think of the 14th Air Force and the Flying Tigers in China, most people think of the P-40, Curtis P-40. Now this one is not marked with the U.S. Air Force emblem. This is the Chinese Air Force, 12-pointed star. And uh, quite a few of the airplanes in China were marked with Chinese Air Force markings because we worked very closely with the Chinese Air Force. Now, I didn't have anything much to do with these. I flew basically this one, which is the DC-3 airliner. The, the uh, military called it the C-47. And the main difference was this one had a couple of large doors instead of a small passenger door on the side, and the seats were removed to make it a cargo hauler. Now we hauled a lot of passengers too, but we didn't have seats for them. It straddled about 28 or 30 Chinese troops down the middle of the floor, and they'd sit on the floor with their legs spread out and then one right behind the other. <laughs> so we did haul a lot of passengers. Now I've got a, an outline here that I'd like to pass out and I'll try to follow the outline so I don't get too far afield. Thank you. I'm reminded of what Daddy Warbucks and Little Orphan Annie said in their adventures in the comic strip years ago when they would relate each other their adventures since they'd last met. And they said it was a long story, only half true. <laughs> I think you'll find that may be my presentation, too. <laughs> now, up here I've got some maps. Can everybody see the... No. Yeah. That's the world map, and that's the old flat world map. As you probably know, it's a really a globe, a circle. But it won't do any good look on the back side because we've got it all on the front here. <laughs> I've marked on it, and you may want to look at it later. But I started out here at Casper, Wyoming, and then my travels to Gibraltar, through the Mediterranean, Suez Canal, Red Sea, across the Indian Ocean, across India, up to the hump, the Him Himalayan mountains are right along in here, and then across them to Kunming, China, which is right there, and then from Shanghai, at the end of the war, across the Pacific to Hawaii, and back to Seattle. I eventually ended up back in Casper, so the main part of my adventure was a trip clear around the world. <laughs> and uh, there wasn't much flying on that one. We crossed the Atlantic in a troop ship. This was a big one. It carried a 
tremendous number of troops, and we did not have an escort. And this was in uh, late 1944. We, we stopped in Gibraltar. I've got this, I think, all on uh, in the uh, outline there for you. We stopped in Gibraltar for two or three days, but we weren't allowed off the ship. We had to stay on the ship. And you didn't get much sleep because every half hour or so during the night, they set off a depth charge. And that was to keep communists from swimming out to the ships from Spain and attacking explosives. Then we went across the Mediterranean to Alexandria, Egypt, and spent a day or two there. And the main thing I remembered about that was they took the garbage off and put it on a big flat barge. And the little native kids all swam out to the barge and went through all the garbage to look for something to eat. And we crossed the Indian Ocean. Again, we had no escort. The commander of our boat, which was the General Mann, USS General Mann, he, he said that his boat was fast enough to outrun anything that he was liable to encounter. <laughs> so uh, he had some firepower on the troop ship, but uh, they kept wanting us to, to go in convoy. And the British threatened to shoot us there in the uh, Red Sea because they wanted us to wait for a convoy from Aden to Bombay. But we didn't. We finally just went on anyway. <laughs> And they didn't shoot us. <laughs> when we got to Calcutta, or to Bombay rather, they put us on a train. And we went clear across India, the interior of India, by train. And that took a couple or three days too. I don't remember too much about that except that every time you'd stop, there were a lot of salesmen collecting along the tracks trying to sell you all of their junk. And when we got to uh, Calcutta, we went to a military camp called Kanchapara, and we spent several days there, maybe as long as a week. And this was because the air transportation from there on into China, over the hump, was very critical, and a lot of war supplies went over by air. And they, we had to wait until we had room and a priority to get over the hump by air. And then from Calcutta, we went into Kunming. And then I spent from December 44 to December 45 flying the interior of China. Now that would have been basically this area right in here. This map is China. And as you can see, it's a considerably bigger country than the map it would, or the, the, where we flew indicated. The Japanese controlled all of the coastline and cleared out in here and most of Burma. The communist Chinese were up here in the northern end. And then when we got ready to come home at the end of the war, December 45, we had to uh, wait in uh, Shanghai for transport home. And that ended up to be rather interesting because we came home on the USS Macon Island, which was a baby 
aircraft carrier. During the war, we were so short on aircraft carriers that they took some of the troop ships and took everything off the top and made a flat top there so they could fly airplanes on and off. Of course, they had taken all the airplanes off for that trip back to the U.S. But that thing was really top-heavy, and when you got into heavy seas, it really rolled. And that was quite an experience to worry about that one going under. <laughs> it seemed like it was going to turn turtle at any time. It would list so far that my, my little room was an old gun pit on the side. And when they'd get that roll clear over, you could almost reach the water from the railing. And some of the boys spent a lot of the time up in the command post, the wheelhouse, watching the list meter. They were sure it was going to roll. <laughs> we finally got into Seattle and were assigned to Camp Lewis, which was a large Air Force base, or a large Army base and the 14th Air Force was then disbanded. Now, the 14th Air Force is uh, still a numbered Air Force and it still has been reactivated and is still active. It's now at uh, Vandenberg Air Force Base in California. And they have a lot of satellite bases all over the world because they're now in charge of all the satellites and missiles. They keep track of the ones we shoot, the ones other people shoot, and they keep track of all the navigate, navigation satellites. And uh, I haven't kept up too much on it in the last few years. <coughs> Peterson Air, Air Force Base is one of their satellites. I think Cheyenne uh, Warren Air Force Base is also a satellite because they have missiles there and some scattered clear over here into this country. I don't know exactly where they are, but uh, they're in charge of all of that stuff. It's the Satellite Air Force now. Now, I'm no longer familiar with uh, who's in charge, but I've got a handout here somewhere that I want to give you a little history of the 14th Air Force. Now, on the outline that I gave you, we're down to number two there, flying in China, assigned to the 14th Air Force also known as the Flying Tigers. And to start with, at the top of the sheet we just passed out, you can see American Volunteer Group, or AVG. And that was from September of 41 to July of 42. And the AVG was started when uh, General Chenault, a U.S. general who was retired from our Air Force, was, to, was contracted by the Chinese government to train the Chinese Air Force. And uh, they weren't very proficient, and they didn't have very good equipment, so he came up with the idea of getting the Chinese government and the American government to agree to a mercenary group. And these mercenaries were U.S. Air Force 
It was called the Air Corps, by the way, at that time. Uh, they were Air Force pilots and personnel who were allowed to resign and volunteer to go to China. And of course, there was a lot of ground personnel, mechanics and radio people, <coughs> and support people also. But they were all originally Air Corps people and they were under contract with the Chinese government as mercenaries. And they engaged the Japanese starting right after Pearl Harbor over in, in Burma and around Calcutta. So they were in it early. And then a little later, if you go down the big uh, chart, the American Volunteer Group became the China Air Task Force. That's in the upper left corner there. China Air Task Force was when the U.S. military, the Air Corps, Army Air Corps, took over the operation of the AVG. Now there's an interesting story there. There was a, a general in charge of the 10th Air Force in India. His name was General Bissell. He and Chenault had tangled years ago when they were both younger officers in the Air Corps. So they did not get along very well. He was a, a problem all the time we were in China. But he then from the China Air Task Force, the 14th Air Force was born in March of 43. And then, as I had already told you, it was deactivated in December of 45, or actually uh, January of 46, at Seattle. Now, my assignment in China was to do the 14th Air Force, but the squadron assignment was the 14th Transport Section. In the upper right corner of that double sheet, I have circled in red the 14th transport section. By the time I got there, in late 44, the name had been changed. So if you go down to the about center bottom there, you'll see 322nd Troop Carrier Squadron is highlighted in red. So that was what they changed the name of the 14th transport section to 322nd Troop Carrier. And we were known as 322nd Troop Carrier for the rest of the war. Now after the war was over, in about August of 45, the 14th Air Force started to come home, but they left us there. And they reassigned us on detached service to the 10th Air Force and we were left in China until December to move Chinese troops into the areas that had been occupied by the Japanese. And uh, we had to stay there until we got those all hauled. Now we took those from uh, Hankow, China, and Peking, the present capital, is way up north. 
I've got a mark on there. I think it shows that arrow going on north. So this is where we were hauling the Chinese troops to occupy northern China, which incidentally, and I had mentioned this already, was occupied by the Chinese communists. And they took a dim view of us bringing nationalist troops into their territory. They wanted to take it off. So we had Japanese troops who had surrendered were still armed and they were guarding our airplanes and our operation at Peking from the Chinese communists. So it kind of got confusing. You weren't sure who was your friend and who wasn't. <laughs> While in the 14th transport and later the 322nd troop carrier, most of our flying in China was down in this area here. 